If you would join me in Acts chapter 28, and we are going to start reading in verse 11. Acts 28 and verse 11, as we continue our walk through the book of Acts, which is almost finished. We've almost reached the conclusion of that book, and, and the Lord's already been working on me uh, about where to go next. And you would think that would pull some of my attention away, but actually it's just kind of stirred me up on both fronts, which has been fun for me. Hopefully you enjoy it and it comes across well for you uh, also. But I want to read there in chapter 28, verse 11 through 16, and then pray over the word as we receive it this morning. It says, after three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had wintered at the island with the twin gods as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after making a circuit along the coast, we reached Rechium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and the second day we came to, <laughs> how is this, a Puteoli, I think. There we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have uh, delivered it here for us. Lord, that it's alive and active and it's sharp. And I thank you that as we open it today, you open our eyes to the wonders of it. God, incline our ear to what you would say. Uh, unite our heart in your presence. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So obviously it's hard to do a recap of where we are when we're on the 28th chapter of the book. But where we find ourselves here, remember Paul, one of God's uh, apostles and missionaries uh, to take the church uh, to the ends of the earth. He's been commissioned to go to Rome, to testify of Jesus Christ in Rome and even before Caesar. And we've seen him going through difficulties, shipwreck uh, on the island of Malta for three months, it says, before he got on another ship to go to Rome. And, and, and they finally set sail on an Alexandrian ship after wintering in Malta where they had shipwrecked. And interestingly enough, this ship that they were on had the twin gods as its figurehead or the two sons of Zeus, Castor and Pollux. Um, I thought that was interesting because even a, a ship dedicated to false gods and idols is carrying God's apostle to where he's supposed to go. So even when culture is lifted up idolatry, God's mission will go forth. Amen. So I just like that there. But it, 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 there, he's going on this ship, the Alexandrian ship. And they go through Rechium. They go through Puteoli. And then they find brothers and sisters in Christ. And they stay with them about a week. And then it says, so we came to Rome. And this is where he is. Th these last months uh, this time of difficulty with him being arrested and held in captivity and having to defend himself, he has finally arrived in Rome. It says, so we came to Rome and the brothers and sisters had heard about us. They'd heard about the team coming. Remember, Luke is with him. He's writing this. He said they had heard about us and they came as far as from the, the forum of Appius 
and the three taverns, and they came to meet them. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. And so today I have an encouragement for you, I believe for us, that is going to be simple, but in, in God's way, it's profound. Uh, and that is when Paul saw them, who did he see? The brothers and sisters in Christ, or as our favorite word is, when he saw the brethren. When he saw the brethren, that's the new King James or the King James, he thanked God and took courage. Thank God for the brethren and take courage. Courage. So I want us to think about where Paul was, where we think he was during this time. And you could be a smart aleck and say Rome. Uh, obviously, he was in Rome. But where we are has more to do than just where we are geographically, right? Let's think for just a minute about where Paul was physically. He had been through a lot. You know, he had been shipwrecked, had to winter on the island of Malta. They weren't planning on wintering on the island of Malta, and they didn't have anything with them. Why? Because the ship had wrecked, and they threw everything out with it. And so they relied on the kindness of the folks in that area. So physically, there's been some difficulties. Mentally, think about how tiring and taxing that is. And then also to know that you are coming up on Rome. This is it. This is what you have set your sights on. And him in his own heart, he knows this will probably be where his life ends is here in Rome. And so emotionally, there's a lot going on there. He said to say goodbye to a lot of friends, a lot of uh, churches that he helped to plant, that he saw grow up before his eyes, people that he loved and cared about. And now he has left them behind to go on to what God has for him. That's big time stuff, right? Those are heavy directional life thoughts. And so what we know from reading here is that he had experienced discouragement. He had experienced, because of those things, because of everything going on, he had experienced discouragement. He was discouraged. And when you see that, those two words together, courage and dis in front of it, dis means the absence of. So when you say distraction, it's what? The absence of traction. When you say discourage, it's the absence or, or the lack of courage. When you say dis-ease, well, he, he had, what did he have? He had a disease. He was diseased. It's the lack of or the absence of ease. And so he has been discouraged. He's got a deficiency or a lack of courage and confidence. And this is Paul, if we were to read back just a little bit in Malta, on the place where he was shipwrecked, he got to be in the leader's home for a time, Publius, there in Malta and, and prayed for people and saw them healed and saw the sick come and, and pray for them. And they were healed and got to teach the gospel. Amazing meetings in Malta had gone on. This was Paul who had seen Jesus and who had seen Jesus transform his life and turn it upside down. This was Paul who knew the scripture, the Old Testament, uh, better than any of us by far. This was Paul who had a revelation of Jesus Christ that we still read about today and are blessed. And yet he dealt with discouragement. He dealt with discouragement and I believe it had some to do with all that was behind him, all that he had been through, dealt with, endured, and then also what was in front of him. Big things on both sides. And when we get surrounded by that big stuff, it can get heavy. And he needed encouragement. He needed courage. And look where he got it. Look where he got it. It said he saw them, he saw the brethren, and he thanked God, and he took courage there in verse 15. Now, not he saw a church building or a building with a cross on it. Not he heard 
a pastor give a good sermon. Not, he came in and they were right about to hit the bridge of his favorite worship song and the lights were low and the fire was moving and the, the drum sit just right and then the harmony went up and he just, oh, feel it. I took her, it, it wasn't any of those things, even though it could have been and those are all great. It was when he saw the brethren and you could say, well, they weren't even at church. No, but they were gathered. They were gathered up. They could come out to meet him and they'd come from a distance to get there. It said they'd come from the form of Appius and the three taverns, which sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? And if you don't know what that is, you're like, nerd alert, this is not Lord of the Rings. But I think more of you do than, that, than you don't. But they, they had gathered up and he saw the gathered body. He saw the brethren and he thanked God and he took courage. He thanked God because the brethren are a gift from God. The brethren are a blessing from the Father. Amen? And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. So how many of us have gone through something dark? Everybody. How many of us have experienced something difficult or dealt with something that was trying? You're like, today? Yeah, already. Yeah, today. We all have. And when we go through something trying, something dark, or we deal with something difficult, a common feeling that accompanies that is a feeling of isolation, right? Isolation accompanies those difficult situations. We start to feel like I am alone in this. I am uniquely troubled in this. There is no one who is dealing with what I am dealing with. And we feel isolated, separated, and even trapped in that, right? That's how we feel. And that isolation that comes from difficulty is a product of, of our sin nature. And we'll talk about that, but it's also a tool of the enemy. Isolation when we're dealing with difficulty is a tool of the enemy to bring about bitterness and pain. Because you think about it, when, when we draw away from everyone else because of what we're dealing with, we can end up feeling bitter, number one, that we're dealing with it and nobody else is because that's the way that we see it, and pain because of what we're going through. And because of our nature, that is one of our defaults. That's what we have to deal with. It is in our, in, it's in our genetics almost. It, it's coded in there. We, we even see it with animals in the wild, right? Animals that deal with the, the, the injuries or complications, you know, I had this question as I was studying this. I was like, Lord, why, why do injured animals isolate themselves? Because we use that example a lot, you know, that the enemy will look for one that's gotten off by themselves, that they're isolated. Why do animals isolate themselves? It's generally when they're injured, right? They're generally injured or, or hobbled in some way. Why do they isolate themselves? Our first thought may be, well, it's because they can't keep up with the rest of the herd, right? The rest of the herd is moving too fast. They're limp. They, they can't keep up with it. And, and I could see that as an explanation, except we also see it even in household pets. Think about your, your dog or your house cat. When they've hurt or injured themselves, what do they do? They go and hide. They're under the table. They're under the couch. They're, they're running away. They're, they're getting off by themselves. And why is that? It's because when we feel vulnerable or wounded, we don't even trust the folks that are closest to us. 
We don't trust anyone to be around us. And that's why they do it. You're their owner. You love them. You feed them. You take care of them. You've kept them alive. But when they get hurt, they know they're vulnerable and they don't even trust you to not hurt them more. They're like, I I'm vulnerable right now and I need to protect myself. And to protect myself, I'm going to isolate myself. So we see it in nature. We shouldn't be surprised that it pops up in us as, well, it's one of our defaults. That isolation being a tool of the enemy to, to play on that default, to get us separated, and then it results in bitterness from our heart and pain in our experience. But thank God, He's also given us a tool to use in those times in our life. He's given us the brethren. Where isolation is a tool of the enemy to bring about bitterness and pain, He has given us the brethren to bring courage to encourage us and to build us up where it's a tool of the enemy, isolation, a tool of the master is the brethren, the gathering of the saints to bring courage. Thank God for the brethren. Amen. And so church or the gathering of the saints, the brethren, the gathered brethren, isn't just about you singing, though you should sing. It's not just about you singing. It's not just about you hearing this sermon or me giving it. That's not what it's about. If it was, you could just get up early every day and have church by yourself, right? Because you can sing and you can hear a sermon all by yourself. And hey, you should do that. You would, you would benefit greatly if you did that in your life. Got up every day, worship, sang, and listened to a sermon or got into God's Word. You should do that. You could do it with Apple Music, Sermon Podcast, YouTube, that all great stuff, all would benefit you. However, it's not the fullest of the Father's gift to you in the brethren. It's not the fullness of the Father's gift to you in the brethren. And to point that out, does anybody remember the spring of 2020? Anybody? Stick out to anybody? Remember when we had all the shutdowns? One of the things, we stopped gathering as the church. And everything went online, right? I remember this very vividly. And hey, look, was God's word going forth? So many places, so many places going online that had never been online before. Was his word going forth? Yes. Was his name being lifted up? Yes. But what did we all say about it? What did we all say about it? I really miss getting together. I really wish we could see everybody. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Not just us, not just the people that we were close to, but everyone saying we look forward to being together again. Because I, I, it was literally just like I was looking at a little camera just like this in the cafe. Just me and the camera and Andrew over here eating a granola bar. <laughs> and hey, the Lord, the, the Lord worked. And I was like, thank God we have this. Thank God we have the capability but I don't want to do this for very much longer. I don't want to do this for very much longer. Why? Because I needed the encouragement of being with and seeing the brethren. When we're going through something difficult, we feel isolated. That's what, that's what happened. Spring of 2020 is what happened. Everything shut down. Everybody's, you know, uh, uh, sheltering in place. And, and what did we know in our hearts? We knew in our hearts that I need more than this. And again, you had all that information available to you. You could have watched a sermon every hour. On the hour, you could have watched a sermon. You could listen to all the worship music that you wanted to, but your heart knew there is a big piece missing here. 
There is a huge piece missing here. And, and what it is, is at our core, we know that our souls aren't the best when we're by ourselves. We know that our souls aren't the healthiest when we are by ourselves and that he has given us better. He has given us the brethren, the body of Christ. I'm going to quote another Paul minister named Paul David Tripp. I had read something that he wrote and he, he said corporate worship or here the gathering corporate worship is designed to remind you again and again that following the Lord all the time in every way is never a bad choice. Corporate worship or the gathering is designed so that it, we're reminded over and over and over that following the Lord at all times and in everything is never a bad choice and is always the best choice. Because when you're seeing it lived out in your brothers and sisters in Christ, it gives you courage to do the same. And when you're separated, when you're isolated, and we're dealing with all the other narratives that come and are delivered to us through culture. This is what life is really about. This is what your goals should really be. This is what you should really concern yourselves with. It's easy to believe that. But the gathering reminds us that following God in every area, all the time, is always the best decision for us because we see it and experience it in practice and it encourages us and it builds up our faith or our ability to see the way that he sees things. It gives us courage even in difficulty seeing the brethren and encourages us to walk in the will and the way of the Father. Now again here in Acts we read Paul saw the brethren and he thanked God and he took courage. So just a couple of questions. We have to ask ourselves, are we, am I seeing the brethren? Am I seeing the brethren? If he hadn't seen them, if they didn't make the effort to show up from all the way from the Forum of Appius or the Three Taverns, what happens there with Paul? Where is his courage coming from if they don't show up? How's he built up if the brethren didn't show up, he's dealing with things then that he wouldn't have otherwise had to deal with. He's been relieved of some of his load because he saw the brethren. And hey, look, you know, you're not always going to be able to be here, right? Hey, sometimes the ox is in a ditch, sometimes you're working, sometimes stuff's going on. Sometimes you are spending time with your family just out from here. And all that is fine and good, but don't be pulled away in that isolation. Especially because of difficulties. Spirit will draw us into times of silence and solitude. That is a spiritual discipline. It is good for our heart and for our life. But what took me there and what am I doing while I'm there? And am I better when I come out or not? Amen. So are we seeing the brethren? And then this, is, this one is more important than just am I seeing the brethren? How am I seeing the brethren? How do you see the brethren? I don't mean in, in what capacity. Well, I saw him over here. I saw him down at the eating house. I don't mean that. I mean, how do you see them? How do you see them? Do you see them as like, oh, he's, he, he's better than me. Do you see them as above you, more than you, greater than you could be, which is a, a big problem? Or do you see them as below you, there to serve you? There to function as something else for you. How do you see them or do you see them as the brethren? Because I love that definition. It puts you on equal plane. 
the brothers and sisters, all part of the family. Because we can look to others and judge ourselves by how we perceive them and then what comes on me from that guilt and condemnation, right? I can't walk like he walks. I can't talk like he talks. I can't do what he does. Oh. And then what does it do? Pulls me away. Or I'm running with a group of people who maybe haven't been at it as long as I have, aren't as mature as I am. And I look down on them and what does that spur in my heart? Pride. Pride to go, <laughs> I got this figured out. I don't have any worries. I don't, well, I'm obviously killing it. No, we don't measure ourselves against one another. What do we measure ourselves against? The cross of Christ. And when we do that, we all fall short, but we're all welcomed in our shortness into his presence. And we're unified together in that as the brethren. We see them for who they are and we thank God and we take courage. We thank God for the brethren because that's our image of Christ on the earth. And we know that. And I've said this to you before. I've been at this church for a long time, a long time. And I've never bumped into Jesus when I walked in the door. I've never seen him get up here and give a sermon. I've never stuck my head in the nursery and seen him bouncing a baby on his knee. I've never seen him hug somebody around the neck because he was glad to see him. Never seen him have a water war with the teenagers on a Wednesday night. I just hadn't seen it. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, interrupted him in here praying. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't know you were me in here. I hadn't seen it. But I have because I've seen his body at work. I've seen his body in uh, activity. I've seen the brethren. And that's why we take courage. I have seen him doing all those things. And I wanted to read. Yeah. Amen. I wanted to read to you real quick out of John 13. John 13 and verse 31. And this is after, this is at the Last Supper. It says, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Amen. We won't open all that up right now. He said, children, I'm with you a little while longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's telling them, I'm about to leave. I've told y'all I'm leaving and where I'm going, you can't come. So don't think I'm just going to the other side of town or to the next village like we've done this whole time. I'm going to be leaving. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. When you don't see me, I want you to see me in the love of one another. And how do we know that he meant that? He said, even others are going to look at it on how you love each other. And they're going to know that you belong to me. They're going to know that you're my disciples, that you learned from me. And how did he love his disciples? He was present with them. He was present with them. And he's like, as I've loved you, so I also want you to love one another. Love is an in-person activity. It just is. You can, you, you can 
communicate with people that you love in other ways that aren't in person. But love is an in-person activity. Love is gathered. He gave us one another and he gave us to one another. He gave us each other and he gave us over to each other. So I want you to love them. They're going to love you. And so you'll fulfill the law of Christ in your life. And so all men will, will, will see and know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. They're going to see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. He said, but they're going to know that you listen to me by how you love one another. And again, that love is an in-person activity. And so in difficulty and in distress, we're not alone. Even when we deal with it, and we will, we are not alone. We're not. Now, two lies I want to tell you. I don't want to tell you the two lies. I want to tell you about two lies so that you don't believe them. And I've shared them with you before. The two lies are that you don't need the body and that the body doesn't need you. That you don't need the brethren and the brethren doesn't need you. Even Paul needed the body. And again, he had a revelation of Jesus Christ that we still read about today. That we're still trying to wrap our heads around. That we're still trying to sit down at that same table and learn from what he had learned about Jesus Christ. And he needed the brethren. He needed the body. And the body needs you. We can think, well, I, what, do I, what do I bring? What do, what do I add to the situation? And sometimes it's nothing more than your presence. Your very presence in the brethren is encouraging to others who are walking alongside you. Two lies. I don't need the body. I don't need the brethren. And the brethren doesn't need me. They're both false. You need the brethren. And you're a part of the brethren. So the brethren, by its very nature, needs you. Part of it sits on you. So again, when we deal with difficulty, our default is to isolate. Our default is to pull away. Why? Because we feel vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, I can't trust anybody. I have to figure this out first. It just stops everything. Everything stops right there. And it results, isolation will always result in pain and bitterness when it's rooted in coming out of difficulty. So you have to come back from that to the brethren, the gift of God that's his tool to bring encouragement. When you lack it, that's where you get it, is among the brethren. And is it easy to walk with the brethren? No, because it's made up of a bunch of people like us. We're in there, all of us, imperfect, completely imperfect. And so there's, there's some grittiness there. And we see that in the early church. We, we see when, remember when it gets down in the details. In summary, it's great. And the church multiplied and they all loved each other. And it's a summary. It's great. And you get down in the details and you're like, there was some grit in here. There was some difficulty in here. There were some disputes in here. There were some sharp disagreements in here. There were some people who completely launched off into sin in here. And that had to be dealt with. There was some grittiness in the details. It is difficult to walk with the brethren, but it's always better. It's always better. We were talking, I was yesterday, not yesterday, two days ago. Yesterday it was raining. Two days ago I was mowing my yard and it's been really dry. It's been unusually dry. 
And so I noticed there were several parts of my yard where the grass was dead and brown and crunchy and dusty and not fun to mow because I'm blowing up all the dust and can't see and can't breathe. And then I get over into other parts and it's thick and it's lush and it's green. Even the Bahia grass is just standing really tall, you know, and I'm just looking at the difference in, in the ground, not no significant difference in the, the ground, the dirt. The grass is the same, even though some of it's weeds, I understand that, uh, but, but there's no difference in the grass. What, what is the difference? And it's where it was situated. It's where it was situated. Some of the grass was situated where the water all runs together and there, it's growing well. Where it's growing the best? Above the septic lines. That's where it's growing the absolute best. And really, if you're thinking as, as grass, if grass was able to think, if it's conscious, it's probably gonna go, you know what, this, do y'all know what's down here? Do you know what's under here? It's a little bit gritty, it's a little bit, whew. I mean, it's not necessarily where you would think would always be the best place to be. Over there in the corner, underneath that pine tree, maybe a lot sweeter place to be, but over right here, is where it had what it needed to grow. And so I just noticed that the grass is the same. Over here, the gra the, this brown grass is the same grass as this really green grass over here. It's just where it is situated and does it have access to what it needs to grow and to flourish. And that's us. We can separate ourselves way over here and try to be what we need to be. And in difficult times or in dry times, we're gonna get brown and crusty and dusty and we're not gonna function like we should. But if we're over here, where the water runs, if we're over here where it pools up, if we're over here where there's the you know, fertilizer that we need to grow, how much healthier are we in that? And where, as Christians, where are we gonna grow the best? We know this, we know that, we know the answer to this. That's why this is so, it's so simple and yet it's still something that we struggle with. Where are we going to grow the best in and amongst the brethren? In and amongst the body of Christ. Amen. Because we get ready to, to, to close, just ask yourself these questions. How many, again, have gone through something difficult, trying, dark, something that was bigger than what you could handle, either that was in the past or that was mounting up in the future or, or surrounding you in the present, it, it just became overwhelming how big it was. Yeah, everybody. And how many of you, when you were in that, felt alone? Even if you had some people close to you, you felt alone, like you were uniquely troubled, like this was something that only happened to you. You felt isolated and alone. Maybe you felt like you weren't good enough to be around the other folks because they seemed like they weren't going through anything difficult and you were, so that must mean there's inherently something wrong with you. And so you felt isolated in that, apart from everybody. We all feel that way. And so now the, the, the last question is, would it have made a difference to have other people walking beside you in that, able to encourage you and build you up and to remind you that his word is true and that he is present with us in our difficulties, even when I don't feel it? When I'm so overwhelmed by the difficulty that, that I don't feel his presence, that, I, that I've grown so used to feeling that the brethren comes along beside me to remind me, I know it's tough right now, but hang on. And they'll come all the way from the, from the forums of Appius. They'll come all the way from the three taverns. They'll come all the way to where you are and say, you're not alone in this. 
We're here with you. We're here for you. We want the best for you. We love you. We care about you. Let's, let's, let's keep walking this out together. Does that make a difference? It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. So in that, we have to remind ourselves, don't pull away. When we're going through difficulty, don't pull away, but press in. Press in, honestly and wholeheartedly. That's how Paul showed up. He knew what he had in front of him, and he saw the brethren, and he was encouraged. And again, what the other Paul, the more recent Paul, said. He said, the corporate worship and the gathering is designed to remind us over and over that choosing life with Christ, that choosing to follow Him, His will and His way in everything and in every situation is always the best choice. It's always the better bread. It's always what is going to bring the most truest fulfillment in my heart, in my life, is to walk with Him. Even when the darkness closes in, to walk with Him and to walk with Him amongst the brethren until the darkness lifts. Amen. And it centers us, again, against the narrative of culture, which would try to say, you are the uppermost in your own affections. This is what you need to be concerned with. These are the things that are important. It reminds us that those narratives have been around since the beginning of time and what they always lead to. And that there is a truth that always grounds us in Him. Jesus said, you're not going to see me. You have been seeing me. You're not going to see. Now, what did he tell him elsewhere? He said, I'm giving you a comforter. I'm not leaving you orphans. But he didn't just tell them that. He said, as I've loved you, love one another. Don't stop walking together. Don't stop loving one another. The Holy Spirit's going to come and the one who has been with you will be in you. But look, gather up. Gather up. Be together. As I've loved you, love one another. And again, that is presently, that is embodied, that is in person. Love one another. It said, Paul saw them, he saw the brethren, and he thanked God, and he took from that courage. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the brethren. Thank you that when you called us to follow you, you didn't call us to do it alone. God, it's not good that we should be alone. And you've given us your spirit on the inside of us with which we can call you Father. You sent the spirit of your son into our hearts so that we can properly call you Father. And you have also given us many brothers and sisters to follow you with. Lord, I thank you that when we go through difficult things, when we encounter difficulty in this life, and we will today, tomorrow, next week, we will. It is certain in this life we will have tribulation. I thank you that you've pointed out to us the worst thing we can do is isolate ourselves away from the place where our courage comes, which is amongst the brethren. The place where uh, we're built up in our faith where we see you move and act and work amongst the brethren. God, I thank you that you've given us this blessed tool to bring about courage on the inside of us. And you've given us so many to walk alongside with us as we go. Lord, that it's okay for us to feel vulnerable when we're in your presence. 
It's okay for us to be vulnerable amongst the body. Is it always going to be good? Is it always going to be simple and easy? No, because we're all people. But I thank you that you have given us great grace and mercy. And you welcome us in our weaknesses. And you give us your strength to endure that sustains us. You hold us up with your strong right hand. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you have set us free. That we celebrate our freedom as a country, Lord, but how much more our freedom in you. That whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That you set us free from those old expectations. You set us free from those old uh, ways, those old thoughts. That old person that we used to be when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. You set us free from that. To walk in newness of life. Just as Christ Jesus was raised to walk in newness of life. You've raised us to walk in newness of life, but you've not called us to do it alone. You've given us the body because we are not enough in ourselves to exhibit you to this world. So you joined us together. As we get ready to go today, God, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, all those that are out from us today, traveling with family, I thank you that you bless them right where they are. I thank you that you keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and give them peace. Those that are out from us in weakness, I thank you, Lord, that you strengthen them. You gird them up with strength in their physical body, that the spirit on the inside of them will sustain them, even in physical weakness. And you bring them back to us, back to the gathering, back amongst the brethren. Lord, we pray safety over your people as we go out into these fun, special times of the year. We pray your safety and your sovereignty over us, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in us, through us, around us, as it is in your heaven. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.